0: This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others, and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. And this week, we continue our four-part series on spiritual practices and formation. Today, I sit down with Ashley Hales to discuss the goodness of limits and how slowing down and embracing limits is not a disappointing life, but a better life. If you are familiar with that feeling of panic or stress, or the desire to hibernate away from all of your responsibilities, I believe this conversation will be an encouragement to your soul. While listening, if a friend or a co-worker or a family member comes to mind, will you share this episode with them? One of the best ways to keep Grace Enough podcast creating episodes is by sharing your favorite conversations with people who will then share it with others. I so appreciate each and every one of you who listen and share week in and week out. Let's jump in to this week's conversation with Ashley Hales. Good morning, Ashley, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a delight to be here. You're welcome. I'm excited to hear from you because I remember reading your book, your first, I think it was your first one. Yeah. Right. Okay. Finding holy in the suburbs and really clinging to that during a time when I was curious, do I need to, um, you know, hightail it out of the suburbs <laughs> yeah. and go more Shannon, uh, Martin style into, into, uh, maybe the urban area. And so, yeah, I'm glad for you to be here today to talk about um, your book currently, but first tell everybody a little about yourself, your family, and what you do on a day-to-day basis.
1: I am married to a pastor and we have recently just moved from Southern California to Boulder County, Colorado. Um, We are parents of four kiddos who are all in school, which is amazing because last year with our work transition and life transition and covid we homeschooled all four of them. So it feels absolutely amazing to actually get to do a little bit of work in a quiet house yes. <laughs> this year. So yeah, I think with the book coming out in September, I have, um, I have filled my days up with good long walks and a few conversations with new folks here in our neighborhood and in the church, but also a lot of uh, work surrounding the release of A Spacious Life.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I know we, we partial homeschool all three of our kids. Mm-hmm. And so, and we did that, not all of them, but a few of them before the pandemic. And, st- but this is the first time that all three have even been in school two days a week because I have a kindergartner. And I really thought a lot of time was going to open up, but what I've found is that is not true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything gets just multiplied. Well, yeah. Cause it's almost like on <laughs> those those two days that they're gone, I feel like I need to get everything done, and right. then now that I'm working on schooling all three of them on the other days, that takes more time. So, right. yep, there's always things to figure out, <laughs> for sure. Well, so tell me, when did your walk with Jesus begin? Like, how did you come to know Him? What's your faith journey been like?
1: Yeah, well, I I grew up in the church. Um, both my parents came to know Jesus um, as adults. And so they were really keen to get involved in local churches. Um, but for me, it felt like something I'd, I kind of always known, um, growing up in the nineties, you know, the camp evangelical camp life was a big part of that and youth group and, you know, but really coming to the sense in my teen years that, you know, that this is actually the point of life. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And, and thankfully we had just some older teenagers who were present and, you know, took me out to lunch and, you know, all of that life on lifetime really made a, a huge impact so that when I went to a Christian college and, you know, started learning theology and and it became just kind of a richer version of that. And we were, after my husband and I were married, involved in several church plants where we felt like we actually experienced not only the, the goodness of theology, but like, what does that look like lived out practically in community and for the good of neighbor? And so those sorts of experiential, um, times as well as we, we did our graduate work over in Scotland. And so living outside of the U S was also hugely important to our lives and, um, just realizing, you know, people there's cultural parts of, of the church Mm -hmm. as well. And so, you know, how do we, how do we think about What the gospel looks like in our particular place has been,
0: yeah, a question we've carried with us our entire lives. When you all were in Scotland, did you have any of your babies there? No, not until we came back. So, okay, we were that's kind of nice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I want to go to Scotland. I know my children (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Now we
1: were saying it. it would be so hard to do just trying to manage as many kids as we have in
0: public transportation and heating bills, you know, so. Oh, yes. Yes, for sure. Well, you have recently, like you said, released a spacious life trading hustle and hurry for the goodness of limits. And so I want to hear a little of your backstory with what we so often Hear and know of as you know the rat race, the the hustle culture, the Western way, for lack of better terms. Um, I like to
1: tell people sometimes the book began a little bit in anger, um, both both in anger in the sense that can relate. Um, you know, I was angry at a lot of this so-called Christian self-help books that have come out that have sold millions of copies about you know like really what you need to do is look inside yourself and you need to display who you are to the world and it's all like self created and mm-hmm. it's this circular logic of the point of life is to be happy and to be happy, you have to like look inside yourself, but how do you figure that out? You just like look inside yourself. Um, and what that does, right. Is leave us exhausted. We feel overwhelmed with options. Like who should I be today? And, you know, how should I self-create myself? Um, but we can't do that. We can't, you know, understand who we are apart from God. And so, you know, the sense that we could be unlimited and that this was the good life, um, really got under my skin. And then I was also probably angry because a lot of when I first really encountered my limits, like viscerally experientially was probably as an, as a young mom. So back in my twenties and I felt, you know, exhausted Mm -hmm. and I had done a PhD or was working on my PhD. And I felt like I'm supposed to be like thinking big thoughts. And here I am, you know. (laughs) breastfeeding a baby every three hours. And like, it just feels like you're on this moving walkway of the exact same thing day after day. And you're like, what have I done? Even the house isn't clean. And I was mad at God. You know, Wendell Berry says we live the given life and not the planned. And I really Mm -hmm. wanted to live my planned life. And so I think I was angry about not living my planned life. But I think looking back now, 15 years later, I realized how formative those years were because they brought me to the end of my rope really regularly, like every hour or every day. Um, and that, you know, if the point of life is not self-referential, but it is to find our identity in God, then our limits can actually be invitations to knowing God. But most of the time we choose to fight them or we choose to, you know, control them or ignore them instead of saying, this could be actually the pathway to knowing God. And that's
0: the point. Well, so tell me when you were thinking about limits, would you say that someone really has to almost plan to embrace limits and be Mm -hmm. incredibly intentional? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's, I think it's interesting because there's
1: obviously limits we receive. Um, and a lot of those limits are actually good. And we just don't think they're good because as our American way of life, we, we tend to think, no, I need to like go past everything and explore, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and so I think some of our limits are received, um, like we have bodies where, you know, we live with people in a particular place, in a particular neighborhood, um, we need to sleep. Those are received limits. There's also limits that we've maybe received that are part of kind of the broken structure after sin entered the world, you know, things like inequality, um, or unequal unequal access, um, to things like food or water, or healthcare. But then there's also limits, like you're saying that we can, we need to choose, right. That are kind of self-imposed. What's so hard, I think in 21st century American life anyway, is we have this idea that the good life is like limitless options. And so to even make those choices can be really challenging, you know, Mm -hmm. what, how you spend your time, you know, if you choose to move because that city over there looks sexier than the one you're in, you know, or, you know, we have the you know, ability to switch churches and, um, all of those sorts of things we used to live more of given lives and now we have more options open to us and it's not necessarily a good thing.
0: Yeah. I love when you say that, like the give versus the planned, because I mean, even Mm -hmm. going, you know, thinking about my husband and the fact that he runs a business. And Mm -hmm. at this point, just the fact that you have to choose to turn things off That it's like, I, we were talking a couple of weeks ago and I said, you know, it's not that it was the better life, but I just think about when my dad came home, I mean, it was done until Mm -hmm. tomorrow. Like it had to be, there was no other, you know, you didn't have, you couldn't jump on your email. And I just think, oh my gosh, if you don't choose that now, you're just exhausted.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so we do have more choices open to us.
0: And choices that, yeah, you have to definitely decide, am I going to make the right, the best choice? Um, so that I'm not burned out. Well, mantras we often hear are things like, you know, be the hero of your own story. And that's that circular Mm -hmm. thinking that you were talking about. Follow your dreams. Mm -hmm. You got this girl. I mean, that's maybe my (laughs) least favorite. Um, (laughs) And it's so true. Like I feel my pulse, like kind of just speed up when I hear people say things like that, or when I read that on the internet. And so what are some of the mantras, um, quote unquote, that we hear Christ say that really gives us this different approach to life. Mm. Yeah. I love that.
1: Um, you know, what are the, the opposite mm-hmm. sort of, of words, uh, that he says, you know, I, I think a lot of, I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases, um, Jesus's invitation, right. To come to me, all you who are weary. Um, and he talks about, from Jesus, you will like learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And so I think the invitation really is to acknowledge our weariness, to acknowledge our exhaustion, to acknowledge, you know, our broken relationships and to come to God, come to Jesus, um, to begin to learn those unforced rhythms of grace. And so some of the invitations I lay out in a spacious life are things like, you know, the invitation to put down social media, Um, because like we were talking about checking email, that's one of the things that we go to that we think will satisfy us or provide community. And it, it, you know, it does for a little bit, but it begins to form us probably away from coming to Jesus and acknowledging our, our need of him, you know, things like an invitation to rest. Um, an invitation to wait on God, an invitation to pay attention to other people. And we see all of these things in the life of Christ. He really models for us what it looks like to be human and humans have limits. And I think that's just so encouraging to see, you know, the life of Christ as invitations to come to him and, you know, for, as he was coming to his father and then, you know, to what are those sort of unforced rhythms that he's inviting us into instead of like pull up your bootstraps and keep working harder or like you do you (laughs) but like who you
0: know what does that mean yeah please don't (laughs) everybody do you because that really doesn't work when you flesh that out (laughs) no
1: if everyone did yeah it would be such a lonely awful angry Mm -hmm. world if everyone themselves all the time. I mean,
0: and if you think about that too, in particular, like we're really not okay with everybody doing what they want to do. We say Mm -hmm, you do mm -hmm. you and I'll do me, but I'm like, oh, so then if I decided that I wanted to treat this person this way, you would be okay with that. Right. No, you wouldn't. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just complete chaos. That's what that is. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly.
1: It's yeah. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, so why do you think that we are so resistant to these limits, the ones that are just imposed upon us naturally and, um, the ones that we could choose,
1: you know, um, one thing as I was working on this book that was really revelatory was that limits are actually good. And they're part of creation before the Mm. fall like that. In the very beginning, our world would be without form and void if there wasn't the loving setting of limits, Mm -hmm. right? If there wasn't a sun to rule the day and the moon, the night and planets had orbits and the land had, you know, a cycle between flourishing and lying fallow and humans too, right? We were told Adam and Eve in the garden, right? These are the limits of your relationship and this is the limit of your place. And also there was a limit around a tree mm-hmm. <laughs> that said, you know, this, you may not eat of this tree and they choose to, we use often use the word transgression, right. For sin. And when, if you look at that, what that word, when you break it down is, it really means to trans, it means to go beyond, right. To travel beyond. And so I think it's fascinating that it was Adam and Eve transgressed. They sinned by going beyond, right. Mm-hmm. The limit that God said these were. This is for your flourishing is to, to not eat of this tree. And so I think honestly, since then we have tried to transgress our limits. It's just kind of built into our, the sinful brokenness of the fall in our DNA that we, you know, we work too hard and we don't sleep and we yeah keep checking the email and we kind of figure a life of hustle and hurries, how we're going to get those things that we've already been given, like an identity and a purpose and a name um belonging with God, like we try to achieve it through our hustle and hurry, very much since the garden. Um, we we transgress our limits. I think it's so it's really countercultural, even though it's really very small things often mm-hmm. that help us to begin embracing those good human limits that God intended for our flourishing.
0: I guess my question, one of my questions for you as well would be when you're talking about flourishing and mm-hmm really embracing those limits. How, how is it that, that that limits really develop a sense of freedom? I mean, something that my husband says to my children, very, very often, it's probably not his own quote, I'm sure it came from somewhere, is that discipline leads to freedom. I mean, mm-hmm. And we see that, I mean, and he's not talking about physical discipline. He's saying like, you know, right. when you practice something over and over again, that actually leads to more freedom. Yeah. So how would you say that embracing some of these limits um, actually is more freeing? It actually invites us into flourishing life. Well, I mean,
1: let's just think like if, you know, if I'm scrolling through Instagram, you know, and then I'm kind of internalizing everything I see, you know, I, as a mother, for instance, I might be like, well, look at that mom, her kids all match. And like, she <laughs> took them apple picking and, you know, and she ran seven this miles mom. this morning.
0: <laughs> right. right for Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly and you know like you get this because you see like okay here's this athletic mom and here's the like awesome you know what woman working in a corner office and here's the crafty mom and here's the one who's volunteering Mm -hmm. and you're like oh my gosh this is who I should be and when when we see those sorts of messages and we kind of combine them um, into some you know perfect version of a woman let's say we, are, we find ourselves obviously exhausted, depressed, anxious, envious, you name it. Um, and so I think when we instead, you know, choose to not be discipled by Instagram, maybe, mm-hmm. but, you know, say, okay, how can I be discipled by Jesus and pay attention to what he is saying? Yes. And no, to? Um, we see him for instance, going off to pray right in the middle of the night, um, that he's prioritizing his relationship with the father before he's going out and doing something um we see him only you know really gathering a group of folks but really you know it was the three disciples that he was most often with and then beyond that the 12 you know so and then he's you know he's paying attention as he is walking around Galilee and teaching and preaching like two particular people he's not healing everybody. And so I think, you know, as we begin to notice what, how he is living his life, mm-hmm. we can begin to be invited into that sort of life too. In, in other words, we can choose if we have the choice available to us to prioritize the things of God, and then to be paying attention to the work that the father's already on about. And then be invited in our unique way to partner Mm -hmm. with him. And so that probably doesn't look like me running seven miles, but it might be, you know, that I can, you know, I realize someone's lonely and I can invite them out for a walk because I have the time to do so, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because I'm not trying to also run the PTA and write a book in my spare time, you know, that so that I can begin to pay attention to other people because I first paid attention to who God is and who I am in him. So then, then I can pay attention to other people and also realize like, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be the super sporty mom, but you know, we'll go for a walk and talk about deep things and that will be great. You know, like that's, that's my lane. And so some of those limits often look like really discovering your purpose
0: too. Well, and in your own personal life, have you found that it's something that you have to come back to time and time again and remake the choice to embrace some of those limits, because I know for me, I will feel like I have cultivated this spacious life and then football season comes along and the kids start school back and podcasting schedule bumps up. And so then it's re um, I mean, it's, it's almost just having to sit down again and saying, okay, have I said yes too much or what can change here? Do you find that true? Cause you have four kids and your husband's in ministry. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, some things we have where we're like, we don't play games on Sundays, you know, for sports and like, you can only have one activity other than school, like a season at Mm. the most. Cause like, I don't think we actually, we have had all four kids in an activity in the same season. Cause that would be insane. It is insane Um, because yeah, we don't, we don't want our lives to look like we're running around and we're just chauffeuring our children and, like that feels like so soul depleting, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, there are some limits to so be like, yeah, you might not make that fancy travel team, um, because you can't play on Sundays and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Sabbath rest is something that's really, really important, um, to us is that our Sundays are calm and relaxing and there's not a lot of screens and, Um, but, and then also to realize, you know, like you said, we, sometimes we, yeah, we overschedule and we have too much going on and, and to say, okay, that was too much. What can I do the following week to kind of recover, to realize that we're not machines. We often think of ourselves like our Mm -hmm. iPhones that we, you know, work, 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 or do, 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 do. And then we plug ourselves in. And so we only rest to kind of keep working. (laughs) But what's so beautiful, right. About the Hebrew scriptures too, is that, you know, that the order of the universe is always grace first, you know, that the Sabbath, the day actually begins in the night, right? Like that's when they start counting the time. And so we, it tells us right that we receive first and that we work in response to rest Mm -hmm. and we work in response to the care we've been given instead of like, Working, working hard, mm-hmm. and then just like collapsing
0: in front of Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just recently, because we as a family have adopted Sabbath and kicked that off on a Friday night with Shabbat and things mm-hmm. like that. But even just recently, I looked at my husband a couple of weeks ago and I said, I don't feel like that we're doing Sabbath well because. We, we just need to adjust some things now since school started yeah. back, because that has kind of right. changed our weekend life. Yeah. And so I share that primarily because I feel like you, it's constantly having to decide yeah. and yeah. reevaluate and communicate and things mm-hmm. like that. And so you have written some about poc- pocket practices. What mm-hmm. are pocket practices? Um, yeah. And like, why are they so great? Because I, I think they're, yeah. they're awesome.
1: Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, what I did when, um, when I first wrote finding hole in the suburbs, I really wanted to give kind of a practical element at the end of every Mm -hmm. chapter to help people like move forward in their neighborhoods and thinking about their place. And I was like, this doesn't really work for a spacious life. Um, so every chapter in a spacious life ends with a prayer. So to help readers pause and actually practice the presence of God experientially while you're reading instead of like, oh, that was a great idea. And I'm going to hurry, hurry on through. And so what I wanted to do, I, I, what I, what I did is I kind of culled all of the little bits and pieces throughout the book where I talk about what does it look like to practice a spacious life? And I've put them together in a little download on my website um, and I've called them pocket practices. And so they are, little three by five cards that are some good questions to ask yourself or even in community. Um, There's some Bible verses to like hold on to, you know, pray in your minivan when you're falling apart. There's emergency practices, which could also be used, you know, if you're having an existential breakdown in your minivan um, or, you know, after you've done all those carpooling things and then some practices to for prayer and to kind of move you outward that, yeah, I, I'm really hopeful are kind of the, the ways in which we get this sort of spacious life in us, because we have to practice yeah. it and it has to be small and it has to be attainable. Um, so yeah, those are available for the little download that you can print out at
0: a spacious.life. Awesome. Well, and so when you think about how you have cultivated a spacious life, you know, in your family and you've shared a little mm-hmm. bit about what you do, what are some of the spiritual dis- disciplines, if you want to call them that practices, um, you know, spiritual formation, however, anyone who's listening yes. wants to refer to yeah. it, that you really feel like, you know, this has breathed life into mm. me and my family.
1: Mm my husband, um, and I have taught for the last few years, um, through Pete Scazzaro's emotionally healthy discipleship course. And we just finished it with a group and
0: EHR, um, this last semester. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So good. good. And, And you know, his practice of the daily office, and he's made it very simple, which is easy. Like if, you know, if, if you bought a book, of common prayer and you wanted to read the daily office, for instance, that it's just like a lot of turning pages and it's long, mm-hmm. um, like an actual morning prayer service. So his is just very short. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like a 40 day devotional, and but those sorts of rhythms, um, starting in silence with God, um, practicing solitude, having scripture and maybe a question to consider has been hugely transformative, um, mm-hmm. in the life, both of my, my husband and I, especially, um, and he's much more consistent. I will say that I Nanias sometimes like, just, I, I know <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I, sorry. I just started in on the email and the, but like you experience after you've made a habit mm-hmm. of that, right. You experience, Oh, like I'm feeling rushed and frenzied in my soul because I have not had that silence, um, that stillness, that just being with God, that this is where I start, um, each day. And so those sorts of bookends to morning and evening mm-hmm. prayer have been really huge, Um, the weekly kind of rhythm of Sabbath has been really huge for our family, just like, especially turning off screens or being thoughtful about screens, um, has been really important. Mm -hmm. So I think those things feel like a good daily and a weekly rhythm. We haven't really figured out like, what would a quarterly rhythm, you know, sort of like retreat sorts of thing uh, look like yet. But those are the, the first things that come to mind. And then, you know, I always encourage, podcast listeners to to think through, you know, part of this spacious life is, is really learning how you're made and how God what God has for you. And a lot of that looks like practicing delight. And I know that some of us like or know exactly what that means. You know, if I yeah. said, hey, could you write a, a delight list, the things that bring you delight? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um some of us have a harder time, right, coming up with what, like, what do I even enjoy? Maybe you're just right. What do I enjoy? Cause I'm, maybe you're just so subsumed into a particular season of life. You don't, you've lost connection with that. So I would, yeah. Encourage listeners. Like, what did you enjoy in childhood? Um, Mm -hmm. like six to 10 years old. Um, I bet you there's something there still that, that feels like you. Um, and that might be something to like add to your Sabbath practice or to practice in the margins of your days, mm-hmm. those are some things that I have found really helpful. Like for me, being out in nature and yes. um, going for walks, are like hugely restorative. And so I just like, I need to actually plan that and mm-hmm. choose that because I know it will help me do all of the other things better. So those are a few practical ways to get started.
0: Well, and I love that because when you think about spacious life, I mean, it is embracing limits and its choices, but I do think of nature and sometimes mm-hmm. I don't think we realize how much of an impact nature actually has on us. Even people who don't maybe love camping or I don't love camping either. <laughs> right. I don't, I would like <laughs> to use a real toilet. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. I mean, like when I learned to start slowing down and even just pay attention to the bee on the flower.
1: Mm Hmm.
0: It's those, sometimes even those little things that will begin to open up your mind and just allow you to be present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, as we begin to close out here and you think about a spacious life in this book, what is, you know, maybe one of your greatest hopes for it when people read it and, you know, complete it, what would you hope someone would walk away with?
1: Well, a lot of folks who have read it have talked about it as like a balm for a weary soul and a breath of fresh air. And that just, that makes me really happy, Mm -hmm. um, to hear, because that was definitely what I was going for instead of like a finger wagging, you need to live in your limits. Um, so to feel like that limits are an invitation is, is delightful. Um, so I guess I would hope that then folks would take the next step. That they would not just be like, "Oh, that's a great idea," and then keep rushing around,
0: um, right.
1: <laughs> um, you know, and just maybe even to make a few practical changes, right? What does your relationship with your phone look like? You know, what does your relationship with screens more generally look like? Um, what does your relationship with your body look like? Can you can you bring the limits of your body and your time to God? Um, I just, I, I guess, the biggest hope I have was that as people read a spacious life, that they would experience and know that their God-given limits are good. And when they're hard and they pinch a little, that they would press into Jesus in the process, Mm -hmm. knowing that he was, you know, he was limited for the sake of love. And also our limits allow us to be hidden within our unlimited God. And Mm -hmm. that's really our source of strength. So I hope that they would, yeah, say, okay, what is, what needs to change Mm -hmm. in my life? And can i trust that jesus will go with me there
0: yeah well last question here this podcast is called grace enough mm-hmm. and all of us have experienced the grace of god but i love to ask my guests you know what is a time a season um even throughout your whole life where you really have experienced the sufficiency of the grace of god mm. recently so we've
1: just recently moved to colorado about 4 months ago and last September, my husband stepped down from his church planting role that we had started this church in Southern California. And, you know, it was to really courageously name a limit. We, we, we just couldn't with COVID and on so many different things continue to Mm. replant and to work at that same pace that we had been going.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know like there was just so so much anxiety prior to that decision about you know will this church survive what are our family's finances look like what are the church finances look like and just worried about being sustainable and as we stepped away god provided so dramatically we sold our house in 2 days wow and we made money on the house which was a blessing We had some generous friends who had a secondary home that uh, they allowed us to to live in. And because of COVID, they'd, they'd often hosted events and had people traveling in and out, but because of COVID they, you know, no one was there. So we had this amazing house that was Mm. steps from the ocean really to rest in as a family. And it was a beautiful home and it was provided for free, and you know, we just said, like, how odd is it? Yeah, <laughs> but here we like are quitting our life, <laughs> and God's like, here, have this time to rest mm-hmm. and this beautiful place because you're cared for. And so, I think as we walked through that, okay, we have to find a job. Process, of course, there was ups and downs where we're anxious or angry or frustrated. Yeah. We didn't, you know, didn't know, but but I mean, through it all, we just felt entirely held by the grace of God, Um, and it really has changed us to mm-hmm. see, you know, when push to, comes to shove, God might not provide you with like a house by the beach, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that he is there and he will show you that he has good things for you. Mm-hmm. Even if you, but like our process is just to wait and to hold on and to trust that
0: he will be enough. That's right. Well, Ashley, thanks so much for today, for anybody who may want to connect with you. Um, where do you hang out most often?
1: Yeah, well, I'm often both on Instagram and Twitter at a. A. Hales. AA and you can connect and I have a little hustle habit quiz, which is really fun to awesome. find out what's your hustle habit when you bypass your limits. Um, and you can find out about those pocket pra- pocket practices as well
0: at a spacious Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you, Amber. You can find quotes and resources mentioned during today's conversation at graceenoughpodcast.com slash embracing limits. And don't forget to share today's conversation with a friend who you know may be feeling overwhelmed or who is struggling to embrace the limits in her life right now.
1: Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.